TKW podcast. I'm Anthony Corbo. You can find me at Corbo Anthony on Twitter. I'm joined as I am every week by Kyle Maggio at Kyle Maggio on Twitter. What's going on, my friend? Uh, a wild game. I'm staying pretty mellow right now, if you know what I mean. But well, we'll get to it. We have to introduce Brian first. Brian Giberman. What's going on, my friend? Also with us every week. I apologize for my voice being even worse than it normally is. I have a nose cold. Your voice is normally, it, it's it's got a fine amount of grit to it, but it's comforting to me at the same time. So, God, my voice is atrocious. Come on. <laughs> uh, it, it's we're here. It looked like the Knicks could have almost gotten a win against the Houston Rockets of all teams, and then it all suddenly came crashing down. Um, but we're not, I mean, I don't know what we're doing here anymore. I don't, I don't know what this is all about. I don't know if this is about tanking. I don't know if we're anti-tank now. I don't know what is happening with us, with our fan base, with this team, but that was a hard one to watch slip away. Even though we did have some good individual performances, we obviously had Trier, uh, scoring 31 points. Uh, he ended up with a double, double. How many rebounds do you have? Ten, I believe. Ten rebounds finish with. Yeah. Yeah, ten rebounds for Trier. Uh showing off his assist his passing game too, three assists. There's a plus nineteen on the night if you want to look at that too. Like he just balled out all game and then it was just the just that last that last possession it got away from them. And we're sitting here today. With the uh, with a four point defeat, one fourteen to one ten. Um, Kyle, let's start with you this week. What what are your, what are your initial thoughts after watching Trier go off like that? After watching the Knicks let that game slip away. Uh, firstly, I was really proud of the way they fought tonight. I, I thought they, I mean, they did a hell of a job in the first half. They let it get away from them a little bit there in the third, and I thought they did a, a hell of a job coming back. Uh, they briefly took the lead on Moutier's free throws. And, uh, you know, obviously they've lost it again thereafter, but um, I thought they did a hell of a job. And, and Chur obviously led the way. And he was uh, 12 of 8. He was just stupid efficient tonight. He was 12 of 18. Uh, that's about 67% shooting. He was 5 for 5 from the line, so that was a perfect 100%. And then he was 2 for 4 from deep. So just incredibly efficient uh, tonight. He had 8 defensive rebounds, a couple offensive Um he drew a charge, I believe. So, I mean, he was just... It wasn't really a charge, though. But he got it. He did. It but... was it was a black... He kind of threw his body in late on the angle, but... Um, but I, I just... He was everywhere tonight. You know, he, he made a couple of nice defensive plays, too. Um, just really... I mean, we're always impressed by his scoring, but he actually... I think Brian made the, the comment in our Slack chat. You know, he looks healthy now. He looks like he's got some bounce in his step again. Um, a little bit of rhythm before he kind of looked like he was just clunking around the court a little bit. Um, 
but he looks really good. He looked good the last couple of games, and he, like tonight feels like you know that was the the statement, like the emphatic "I'm back" kind of game. Yeah, it, I mean, he was feeling it clearly, and just quite frankly, took over for stretches of that game. He also did a solid job of enraging Tim Hardaway enough for that they got into a fight on the uh, yelling match on the uh, sidelines. That was yeah, that good. was so, interesting yeah. to watch. Real quick on this, I saw a number of people, and a lot of you are probably going to do this in the YouTube comments. Uh, it's fine. I'm expecting it. I've gotten it on Twitter all night. Shout um, out to the YouTube comments. Shout out shout to Twitter. Out to the, you guys I've have been all-stars to, I've, lately, I've grown, man. I've grown to love you guys very dearly, by the way. But... Um, no, but I hate these comments I've been seeing tonight, which is, um, oh, like Tim Hardaway Jr. can't say that to Alonzo True. Yes, the fuck he can. All right, guys, let's relax. Let's relax a little bit. It doesn't matter in that situation where he uh, Trier should have passed on the break. It doesn't, it doesn't matter that Tim said it. It could have been anybody, and it would have been the correct advice to give a young player. And, vet, uh, and Tim is a veteran at this point. So regardless of also, what Tim does offensively, like a veteran giving the rookie advice is good. You would like to see that that's, that's important and it matters. Hardaway got him back in the fourth, I think, too. I don't, I don't know if it was exactly intentional, but... Uh, Hardaway went up for a just heavily contested shot around the rim with a wide open Alonzo Trier at the three point line. Uh, so I don't know if he he saw Trier out there or not. Part of me thinks he didn't, but you know it just kind of has a funny way of working itself out. And then right after the incident, he also patted him on the ass and gave him a yeah. high five or a, a slap five, not a high five. So they were cool right after. The one thing that I liked about Trier that was cool is that he it was just, it didn't matter who was in front of him; he could beat him off the dribble. Every time he broke him down, every time. Yep, the one late in the fourth quarter, he cooked PJ Tucker. <laughs> oh my God, yes he did. And and Tucker can't move like he used to, but he's still a good defender, and he had him on skates. He he did. I, it was just a lot of fun. This reminded me of uh, th- those games earlier in the year, like his the first game of the year against Atlanta. He had a couple games after that too, where he just looked really kind of like good and free, you know, like he wasn't overthinking anything. Everything just seemed to come easy to him. And that's what it was tonight. Um, and, and I just liked that. He wasn't settling. Uh, he, he, he broke guys down whenever he wanted to. He got to, even when they were mid range shots, it didn't feel like he, he was settling. It looked like he was like, he knew that's where he wanted to go. Um, so to me that, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I was just really encouraged. He just looked really confident tonight. So I was really happy about it. It was a little bit disappointing watching him come back from the injury. Um, I, I think really maybe it was bugging him a little bit. And I know um, Tim Hardaway Jr. was dealing with the plantar fasciitis around. The, is, did I enunciate that correctly? I don't. I don't talk about how other people pronounce things. I've heard fasciitis, fasciitis. Like it's. I don't think anybody really understands the correct term unless they're in medical school. Okay, just wanted to. Or a doctor. I mean, you could have graduated. I've been trying to clean it up lately. So, uh, anyway, (laughs) anyway, so I'm just going to professionals. I I appreciate the professionalism. So, um, you know, Timmy was dealing with that too. And those are annoying. If you've ever had like ankle and and foot injuries that linger, those, those are annoying and then they can affect you. So, um, they both look pretty good tonight. I, I, you know, their own little incident be damned. I just thought, I, I don't know. Just really encouraged. It was a good game for a lot of reasons tonight um, with a lot of the young guys. So I, I'm, I'm pretty happy about what we saw. 
it was it was the young guys who really got him back in the game for the most part. The starting Dotson line too. That Dotson yeah. hit some shots to get that uh, comeback going. The, the starting lineup got worked at the beginning of the first and third quarters. It, that's why every guy in the starting lineup was a negative. And the all four bench guys, Robinson, Frank, Trier, Trier, Dotson, were all positives. And then you had that stretch in the fourth quarter where it was those four with Knox all on the court. And that's where the Knicks really made their run and got back into the game. So that's always super fun to see when it's the young kids cooking and having a lot of success together. Yeah, and one one thing I want to bring up too with the kids, because I, I thought Mitch, uh, Mitchell Robinson played pretty well tonight. I, I thought he was, you know, impacting a couple of shots around the rim. Uh, I mean, we know he had a couple of blocks on Harden, which was fun. But if I, I don't know if you guys have the box score up. Do you know how many rebounds he had off the top of your head? One. One. And it was an offensive rebound. He he is allergic to defensive rebounds. Allergic to them. He cannot for the to save his life. He cannot get a defensive rebound, but he's a, he's actually, I mean, he doesn't have almost any rebounds tonight, but generally he's a pretty good offensive rebounder. Both he'll finish with like four or five rebounds for the night. And, and one of those is a defensive rebound. Well, part of that is because he's still learning the balance of what he should go. He should go try and block a shot and when he shouldn't, and that gets him out of position. That's it's, it's fair. It's just you, you'd hope for more. It, it's almost the same thing that I took issue with um, KP for a while, even though KP plays the four, so it's a little bit different at times. But um, it was just like he, you're bigger, you have the size, you got to find a way to get there. I, I, I'm not really worried about it or anything. It's just, it's just funny how um, he can he can always get himself and get his arms to the offensive rebounds, but just never to the defensive rebounds. Speaking of uh, centers out there, Anders Cantor didn't register a minute in tonight's game. Uh, something that I I know for certain, a certain Brian Giberman has been calling for for several months now. Uh, Kenner went from being the starting center in New York all of last season and, you know, at the beginning of this year to now getting DMPs. Obviously, he's been a little bit more public lately with his uh, desire to play, and that obviously is transcribed into asking politely for a trade. Uh, but I don't, I feel like Ennis Cantor is not going to be very quiet about this. There's going to be something that's going to come out that might possibly come out in the post game interviews that are. Uh, happening shortly, and if we hear anything about that while we're, we're recording, we'll uh, we'll do it live. But uh, Brian, you were not uh, very—I guess we were all not very surprised. But you didn't think this would be that big of a deal, was that? No, because it, it was just a matchup-based thing. It, if like before the game when he was talking about the starting lineup, I immediate like you just predicted that Bonley was going to start at center. They were going to go small. Cantor is unplayable against a team with James Harden, where they just run pick and roll after pick and roll after pick and roll. Is that they're either going to switch or and it's going to just create matchups. He can't he can't play against a team like this, and uh, that's something I do give Fisdale credit for being smart enough to acknowledge that and just keep him and not play him when he shouldn't play. The 
part of the reason the Knicks were able to keep this game close was in large part because Edis Cantor wasn't on the court. So I don't disagree with you at all. I, I, I agree. I don't know if this is Fishdale making a rational lineup-based decision, which my trust in that being the case is, is getting somewhat weaker by the day. But uh, Or if it was just kind of more of a management intervening thing saying, you know, we're trying to send a message to this player. I could see it going both ways, honestly. Uh, but I just, I thought it was surprising that he didn't even get in there. And I, I thought it was surprising that he didn't get in there even against bench units. And especially considering Luke Cornett's not playing, Robinson fouled out. Uh, he didn't play, you know, an entirely heavy, you know, minutes load tonight either. Um, I don't know, maybe it's, I, I think maybe it's something that's not a big deal, but I feel like it's something that Ennis Cantor is going to turn into a big deal, if that makes sense. I don't think that, like, it can be a, more of a big deal at this point. Like, we talk about it uh, on Twitter every day, it seems like. Cantor talks about it constantly. Um, and, and I said this on the last podcast. It's not that I disagree with Cantor either. Like, in his situation, I actually empathize. Like, I understand, like, you, you want to play. You you know, you want to play meaningful men. It's not just play, too. So I, I understand where he's coming from. And again, he's due for a, a payday, so he's going to want to be playing and not benched because his value decreases. So I, I get his side. I just don't know that there's more from either party. You know, like the Knicks have been pretty mum about things, and then they usually uh, all say the company lines, you know, about the Cantor situation. And it it just doesn't seem like this can, like, escalate more. You know, like what there, there's not – outside of what a report about them, you know, screaming and yelling, you know, I mean, they just had a meeting, I think it was last week where they kind of talked about all this. So I, I, I think they're going to try to find him uh, someplace to go or just buy him out, let him find his own place. Basically. I just don't think that this can like further escalate anymore. He's been really um, adamant to not putting about not putting in the trade demand and just kind of making the, not so subtle hints to the media about what he would like to happen and everything like that. Um, but I wonder if getting a DMP like this is the thing that gives him, you know, makes him put that demand in. That's basically, I think where my mind is going with this. Not that I know anything, but you know, he'll start when they play the nets. I'd be stunned if he didn't start the next game. Well, real quick on this note, um, Mike Vorkanov of the athletic just uh, tweeted a video of, uh, Cantor speaking, and um, I'm just going to read a couple of the quotes he tweeted. I haven't watched the full video yet, but uh, in the tweet it says, Ennis Cantor says he was told this morning by the Knicks that he would start tonight versus the Rockets, and he got a DNP instead. And then the quote is, what they're doing to me is pretty messed up. I deserve better. <laughs> uh, end quote. And then he says, Cantor pretty much asked to be traded. And then the qu- another quote is, you either play me or let me play. That's the end of the quote. You tell so, me you didn't see this coming. So it's like, I but, but that's like he, he's not good enough to make demands like this. Peace, goodbye. Yeah, but, but, but come but on, you had to see this coming. You had to see this coming. This was easy to read. I I think yeah. I mean, like I figured there was gonna be comments. I didn't think it was gonna. To me, that's not like escalating. Like th- he's already made these kinds of comments. Yeah, but he hasn't. You know, he hasn't brought like shit to the table like that. 
And like, he hasn't as, accused them of flat out lying to him at this point. You know, he well, hasn't said. Well, as far as, like, requesting a trade, yeah, like, he really isn't a guy who should be requesting a trade, but. I agree with you on that. I, but Absolutely. I also don't think that he's even referencing, you know, a, a trade there. He's just saying, you got to let me play. Like, that, that could also just be the buyout. Like, that's also a very easy thing that they could do. So, I, I, I don't really disagree with, again, with what he's saying. Uh, the optics are, of it are going to seem bad. People are going to be very angry at him because that's what we always do when a player is uh, lashing out against the system of the team. I understand it. I'm not disagreeing with it. But um, I, I just hope that they find a solution quickly. Like, if it really, honestly, if they aren't going to play him, even with Luke Cornett out, they should just buy him out. You know, like if that if that to me, that's the, the message they're sending there. Just just buy him out. Let him go sign somewhere else and call it a day. Like as a franchise, he's already an expiring player. You already know that they're not going to resign him. Like just cut your losses. If if they really did tell him he was going to start and then they did it, so I up. do have a that that that's bad communication on Fizdale's part. Like if that's sure. yeah, that's actually what happened. So I'm curious to see what Fizdale says in response now. Well, yeah, why don't we talk a little bit about Fizdale because Fizdale. Uh, was ejected in the uh, fourth quarter of this game. And that, I mean, we've seen him pretty fired up this season. I don't know if we've seen him more fired up than he was at that moment. There was an audible fuck that caught on the mics. Uh, he was, like, had to be restrained by Keith Smart. Like, I, that was, uh, I, I obviously have no idea what he said. And, you know, it's it's hard to speculate exactly as to what he said, but, uh, it was. It seemed to be something that he did not think was going to get him a second technical in that of the game. Um, Brian, you have probably, I would say, shown the most opposition to Fizdale so far this season. Uh, seeing him kind of get, I don't know, maybe have a, a bit of an overreaction on the sideline tonight for sure. Uh, what what is that? Do you? For your opinion of him, do you think that has any impact on things? Or are you just more concerned about just how he's deploying the roster right now? Uh, I would have removed him from the court myself when he went no PG with six minutes and 10 seconds left in the fourth quarter of a five-point game. And then I would have removed him again when he put Moutier in, even though Moutier had six turnovers and was in the last four games a minus 44. And Frank was a plus 24 and had a Frank can play better than him tonight. So I don't really give a crap about the whole getting angry and ejected. That that stuff does nothing for me. The way he's functioning in fourth quarters of close games is terrifying when you're projecting what he's going to do with this team long-term. He once again defaulted to put guys on the court who dribble a lot and score and went away from what had led them to having success in this game and that it, it's a pattern that keeps happening over and over and over again and it's stupid and it's wrong and it's really got to stop wait 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 brian hold on all right do you mean to tell me that you don't believe that david fisdale's just losing these games on purpose no i don't think he you mean the game where he got so angry that he cursed off a ref and got ejected and thrown out that he was trying to lose that game intentionally. No, I don't really think he was trying to lose that intentionally. Kyle. Well, this is, oh, I'm glad I'm it's sitting fascinating down. This development. is development. This is fat. This is news to me. Uh, oof, I am disoriented. I'm lightheaded. 
Uh, wow. I, I, here I was thinking he was just losing these games. Oh, this is genius. We're, we're going to keep this going. Yeah, I just I. It's it's Kyle, fast. It's fascinating. Get a drink of water, please. I don't. We don't want to lose you here. Yeah. Do you need wrap up music thing. or? Oh, hey. Oh, you can only give me wrap-up music if you're going to give me the uh, Levitard Give It To Me Again intro <laughs> after, afterwards. So you have to be prepared for both. Fair. Mm. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know. He's just making a lot of, like, to me, they seem like layups. They, they seem like things I would have expected yes. him to do. And, and instead, we're kind of seeing, like, Horniseki kind of things. And Oof. it's like, I and, and I didn't, I thought basically, and again, I'm on wow. record as, as not hating Hornacek. I'm on record as almost every episode saying he's a perfectly adequate normal coach like if you just created like generic coach x it would be i feel Jeff like he, he coaches exactly oh, as well God, as he I, looks I, like he coaches how huh? would have thrown hands at each other on the podcast last year i had issues with a lot of things that he was doing and a lot of them are major points you've made my point was like statistically where they were playing with kp everything was just adequate and average so i couldn't be like too angry about it for too long because they were average statistically on almost everything. It was through like the first week of January before they started losing a bunch of games. So that that's where my stance had lied. And then once KP went down, I don't think we, I think we all kind of knew he was gone. So. But isn't it kind of worrisome that this has happened to me multiple times too. And I'm just like, yeah, Fisdale's doing something. I think Jeff Hornacek would have done. And it, it's just, it's tough. It's tough too because I'm not trying to excuse him for things. I, I am on record as uh, wanting him before we signed him. So I, I'm glad we got the guy I wanted the most. So I'm hoping he does well. I, I that's my bias to it. But I don't want to, you know, make it make it sound like everything he does is. is like he's trying to win the game either. Like when he plays, and I was, I said it the last pod, but like when he plays Trier a point guard, I don't think it's because he sees Trier as a point guard more, more than he sees it as a developmental opportunity this season. So like when I'm watching, I'm trying to figure out like, is, is any of that happening with a certain lineup? And if it's not, then how is he prepared for the situation? Then those are the, but, those are the scopes I watch. So I don't know if sometimes that's overlapping at the wrong times. But Kyle, it's with, it's late in the fourth quarter of a close game. He's not doing it for developmental reasons. And then he changed it a minute and 10 seconds later. Like he's doing that because he's trying to win the game. Like tonight, how does Moutier had seven turnovers tonight? He played 28 minutes. Frank played. I know Frank didn't make a shot, but he played 24 minutes. Who played a better game between the two of those guys tonight? Frank did have six assists as well. And for what it's worth, I, I, thought Frank in the I'm about to say that Frank maybe in the first quarter and beginning the second quarter defended James Harden to the best of his abilities um James Harden finished the game with 61 points which we haven't talked about yet but James Harden scored 61 points at the garden (laughs) did not break Melo's record and that's I think that's a really important thing to uh to recognize here but uh yeah, it was – Neil Akina played a confident – a more confident game, I thought, than Moutier. I felt like the numbers showed that, too. Six assists, the ball was moving a little bit better with him. Uh, you know, just, just 
just looked like Moutier. He just didn't really deliver anything tonight. Like, you saw glimpses and everything. He would, like, make his tough circus shots at the rim and stuff, and then he would miss a bunch, too, and took probably one of the worst open three-pointers I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it's. I'm not saying it was easy to justify Frank as being the option tonight, but it. it's really hard to justify Moutier these days, too, man. I think it was very easy to justify Frank playing down the stretch of this game. Now, the last four games, it started... Now, granted, Moutier's playing against starters. Frank's playing with the bench, against the bench, against reserves. Frank's playing with better lineups, but part of the reason they're better lineups is his defense. 105 minutes in the last four games, Moutier's a minus 58 minutes for Frank. Frank is a plus 32. This started to become a little bit of a pattern. And I know the shooting isn't there. But what happens if Frank is the Knicks' Marcus Smart? Isn't that a player we would take? In the first four seasons of Smart's career, he shot under 40% from the field. And pretty much under, he shot 33, 25, 28, and 30% from three. In year five, when he was 24 years old, now his shooting percentages are finally starting to jump. What happens if Frank ends up being that guy that can positively impact the game without shooting? And then eventually, years down the road, the shooting kind of finally comes along. And I've, well, I, is that I, something we would all be happy with if he's that type of player, that type of glue guy? I feel like we've often talked about, as fans, we've we've talked about a, a comparison for Neil Kina being Marcus Smart. And it seemed like at the time, everyone was pretty okay with that. And now, I, I really think it's just impatience and people, you know just getting so sick of how poorly this team performs on a night-to-night basis. But, you know, Neil Aquino needs time to develop, sure. And it's just like the difference between him and Moutier out there is just Frank is so much less destructive than Moutier is on the court. Frank, as much as we'd love to see him take shots, is not going to put himself in a position where he's going to take, like, an awful shot with the game on the line. Moutier is out there trying to draw fouls on every possession. And sometimes they go his way, but some, a lot of times they don't. And Frank doesn't give you that same kind of quality. He's looking for where the other guys are going to be on the court. And, you know, you still, the success isn't always there with him either, but it's just the team has a different gear. They groove a little bit better when somebody's not out there actively looking to, you know, either take a mid-range two-pointer or heavily contested layup at the rim. I remember when it was announced at the beginning uh, beginning of the year that Frank was going to start at the three, and we started talking about how we felt about him playing, you know, quote unquote, out of position because, um, you know, everybody expected him to be a point guard, and he was drafted to play point guard, and you know, we hadn't seen enough of that. But I, I kind of got to the point when they were going to start playing him on the wing, and I was like, look, if this is th- this is like when it was a voice in the back of my head kind of thing. I didn't really fully believe it, but it was like if the coaching staff after summer league and and a full training camp and preseason, if they still feel that he's not really a point guard, um, maybe we should just kind of embrace what that means. Like maybe he is just going to end up being a three, you know, like a playmaking three that doesn't really score a ton, you know, just, you know, three, you know, you know, maybe like a, a three and D type of guy, if he could hit some open threes, but, um, maybe he just doesn't have it offensively, but you know, he could be a defensive stopper on the wing and, uh, you know, a Marcus smart type, but I, I don't 
I just want him to be successful. I, I don't care what that looks like. I just want him to be a successful player. If it's at the one, the two, the three, I don't really care. Um, I, I hope it's at point guard. I, I think that's everybody's hope because it's so enticing to have a, a guard that would be his, um, you know, he's six, seven. He's got crazy wingspan. And if he could just develop offense, you know, we, yeah, we have shades of like, the, like a mini Giannis kind of thing. And it's enticing to think about, and it just might not happen. And I think we got to be okay with that too. Plumly and Derek Favors just threw hands at each other. Really? What happened? Yeah. Uh, just uh, not not a not a great fight, but just a little pushing and shoving. By the way, all right. Speaking of fighting, who, Westbrook. Who did Westbrook do the? Ch- We've had like NBA players chasing, trying to chase each other a bunch recently. Did you see mm. Westbrook? Who did Westbrook tried to go after? I didn't see Westbrook's one. I saw Booker's last night. Booker's was hilarious. Yeah, the book, Booker Jang one. Yeah, that was that was fantastic. Oh, oh, Jang's comments afterwards. I just wanted to meet him for a jersey exchange. That's so funny. It was uh, it was Marcus Smart. Did you see when Marcus Smart tried to fight the entire Hawks team? This surprisingly flew uh, under my radar somehow. So you know how people like do the hold me back, hold me back, but fake it and. Don't sure. really need it. Like Keith Marcus Smart on uh, David Fisdale tonight. Yeah, Marcus Smart had to literally get tackled by one of, by like a coach and three teammates. He tried to bull rush through eight people to uh, I don't know who some scrum on the Hawks. It might have not been a scrum. It could have been a good player for all I know. But that was all right. I'm sorry. I just got all distracted by fighting. No wait. Can we talk a little bit more about this subject? Because uh, I the real loser. In all of these uh, circumstances, was the security guard trying to hold Devin Booker back as he ran into the tunnel? Did you see that poor guy get dragged? Like not not like he stayed on his feet, but just looked like Devin Booker was a dog uh, who was on a leash and controlling an owner who didn't have the strength to keep up with him. It was hilarious. That would have ended so poorly for Booker. <laughs> I know. Real, real. Like, what is going on out there? Devin Booker is challenging Georgie Georgie Zhang. Like, man, that it just there are two there are different kinds of basketball players who are effective at different positions, largely because of the height that they are and the weight that they play at. And these two players are entirely different. I, I will say that sometimes um well two things and then i well one thing i want and then i want to get back uh, to the next because there's another uh quote but um sometimes when you're in the heat of the moment man you just kind of lose it i remember one time we were in a championship game in the rec league i play at and i i'm i like to rebound as a guard and i, I went in for a rebound and this gigantic center on the other team, like elbowed me intentionally when I flew up to get the rebound. So I said, okay, whatever. I brushed it off. It happens when you go, you know, I'm a smaller guy. I have no business being in the paint. I understand. Next possession. I come back down. I try to do the same thing. Like it was a defensive uh, or an offensive rebound opportunity for me. Went in to get it. Same thing. I caught another elbow. Third time I came down, he gave me one before I even jumped. 
and then I lost it. So I threw an elbow at him and hit him in the ribs. So, of course, you know, I got in trouble because you don't see the first one. You see the second one. Uh, but that guy clearly, clearly would have killed me. Like, and sometimes you just snap. Like, you just you just do. I don't know how to describe it. Um, but, I mean, he was ripped. He would have snapped me in half. But... I, hope you, I hope you're about to read the quote that or the answer of Fisdale that I'm, yeah, I just saw. I, yeah, I yeah, just yeah. saw it. So, so, Fiz, so when, when uh, back to the Knicks, um, when asked about not, uh, sorry, when asked about why he took Frank out and left Moutier in, um, he was at Chris Eisman. Is that, is that how you enunciate it? I've only read it. I haven't said it out loud. We need to just keep going for it. We do not, okay. we do not have time to lie okay. for a uh, pronunciation check on the air. I thought we, I thought we, I thought we would cut all these parts out that I would say it. I thought, oh no, no, okay, Lord, okay. no. Okay. So he definitely doesn't follow my dumbass. We need with someone that he might. You want to give him a DM and ask how uh, how he pronounces it, and we'll wait for the answer and then continue. Yeah, we got yeah, time. We, I think we have time for that. So anyway, uh, he said Fizdale was asked about it. Said he thought they needed more scoring, so he went with Moutier. I mean, that's it, that's not a good sign. That's very bad. That's a lazy answer. That is that is a... Now, playing devil's advocate, because I don't completely disagree with you guys, in a game where Harden has 61 points, maybe, maybe he has a point. You know, you're not going to stop Harden anyway. He Score. does not have but, a point. It, but it's, it's, it's a moot point if, it's a, if it even is a point, because, like... You get scoring from other players more when you have Neil Akina on the court. You know, that is, if you're just going to look at plus minus like that, that is exactly what that means, that Frank Neil Akina on the court has been able to contribute more to scoring than, than Emmanuel Moutier has. He, he had six assists tonight. Like, he was responsible for points. Like, he was passing the ball well. There are ways to generate offense in other players' hands rather than just have Emmanuel Moutier try to play flip cup at the rim. It, he, had the, the, he had the driving kick to Dotson for that corner three. He had the nice pass to Trier on the back door. He had the pass that set up the dunk for Mitchell Robinson in transition. Those were the three assists that came to the top of my head. The offense definitely ran smoother with Frank in the game rather than Moutier today. So that, that explanation... And it's back to what I said about there being the pattern of Fisdale very much believes in guys who score on this. This I think it's and I'm with Kyle that we undervalue scoring to an extent to the NBA now. But Fisdale's taking it to such an extreme with and then he's not finding that right balance with the lineups because he's playing all these guys that have overlapping skills rather than complementary skills. I agree. I agree on that part about that. Fisdale's taking it to the extreme um, because I, I'm well documented in saying um, scoring is literally the point of the game. It is the most important skill. It will always be the most important skill. And if you are scoring, you will always be more valuable to a team than if you can only defend. It has happened the entirety of the uh, history of the game and it will always happen. But even still there's, 
I, I just would like to see him be better situational. Because, like, if it's, if we're going by the minutes and the opportunities that, like, a Frank gets, I, I, I am on record of not bitching about his minutes either. I think Frank gets a pretty fair shake. I, I think he could play a little bit more, but I think he's mostly getting a fair shake with the minutes. It was 28 I, and 24 this, tonight. It wasn't really it's, that it's, big of a discrepancy. It, that, you know, so to me, it's always the situationals. It's just, like, I always feel like Frank's not playing at the right time. And I can't believe I'm going to say it, but that's why I actually liked one thing that Hornacek did for the first couple of months last year was Frank just closed the game out. Like that was just the thing to begin the year was like Frank would close out games like Jared Jack would play. Like once it was settled that Jared Jack was the starter and we knew that Jared Jack wasn't going to play down the stretch. He was going to give you good, good old man burn in the beginning. And then you weren't going to play him later on. And then Frank would come in and close the game out. And for better or for worse, you would let him do it. And I just feel like like that was effective. I thought Frank was getting good burn at first. You know, Hornacek went away from that eventually, pretty much uh, middle of December onward. And then it got weird. Um, but I thought he did that well. And I think that's just, you know, Fisdale kind of started getting there by saying that Frank's going to be the, the backup point guard now. That's like an official thing. But... I would like to see if your backup point guard is getting you, you know, and I'm not going to say anyone played great defense if Harden's scoring 61 points, but it was clear Frank was more engaged and what he brings to the table on that end, um, even in these kinds of games. And if he's going to get you six assists, like I, I, I would have closed out with Frank. You know, I, I just don't know why he blows like easy situationals. Like to me, like again, for me, I was playing devil's advocate before, but obviously to me, I, I, you'd want to stop in the last couple of minutes um, more so than offense with Emmanuel Moutier, who again, I think is a clearly a better offensive player, but that's not a guy I would trust to get me a bucket when I'm playing James Harden. I'd rather try to throw your best defender uh, defenders at him and see what happens. And, and you had the, the whole idea, the scoring thing. Trier was having a good night. Timmy was scoring. Like, Trier was fantastic. Where, yeah. So that's where you're getting your scoring from. So why do you need a third guy out there instead of having Frank, who's going to get you into your sets and get the ball to the right spots rather than Moody. And he had a big turnover late in that game, trying to attack instead of going to other people. Yeah. And again, I I'm getting slammed for my, I had a Tim Hardaway tweet basically where I said, uh, it's funny how it, when Tim has his bad games, basically, it, it's very, very loud. And then when Timmy's playing well, like he has quietly for the last couple of games, nothing. And then everybody, the only response I got back, he makes $17 million a year. He doesn't get a pat on the back. Well, if we're going by that, then nobody could ever applaud Chris Paul for the rest of the season, who's making, what, 30-something million dollars? Is, is there anything Chris Paul could do in a game? That would make you praise him then by that logic. If he's making $30 million, we're better than this guys. We will always analyze when guys are having good or bad games. We don't care about their contracts when they're playing the games. If you're thinking about that, every games you have an issue at the end of the day, we're going to evaluate all the guys good or bad. And that's it. So when he's having a good game, you should probably talk about it. The same as when he'd have a bad game. We don't have biases. We don't have agendas. We don't hate anybody. Uh, and we're not counting anybody's money. Unless it's the Joakim Noah situation where you're getting paid to be away from the team after taking an enormous contract. But this, it really isn't a big deal. Like he, he got paid a big contract. He's performed mostly pretty well. Could he shoot a little bit better? Yes. But 
He's taken better shots this year. He's cut down some of the mid range to shoot more threes. He is doing some things better. He's not perfect. He's not supposed to be a top option, but, but if your response to him playing well is he makes $17 million, you guys should be smarter than that by now. we have to discuss from tonight's game oh the final the final play yeah we yeah we we should probably get there so let's start with uh let's start with that inbounds what like he did if you want to know why keith smart is in the head coach in the nba he drew up i'm gonna assume he was the one who drew up the play since he took over he drew up a dribble handoff to get the ball in the hands of the guy who had seven turnovers in on the night that's what the set was, was to put the ball in Moutier's hands. I don't know what was going to happen after that. Maybe it was just him getting rid of it quickly and I'm being unfair. But how watching that game, you would have thought the right thing to do was to put the ball in Moutier's hands and have him make a decision is beyond me. I keep thinking the amount that Fisdale believes in Moutier is like overstated or Maybe I'm in, in my own head about it. I think he agrees. But, but, but I really, I, I'm really at the, the point now where I think he um, just really genuinely, dangerously believes in Emmanuel Moutier. And I, I say this as a guy who's been rooting for the Moutier thing to continue because I enjoyed watching him in December and before then when he was playing well. But it's it's strange just how much he trusts him. I just feel like he's like his reclamation project. It's it's just like he said it before they even played a minute on the court. You know, it's like he said in his intro press conference that he was going to get Moody A right. And I think there's still a part of him that's like has this need to fulfill that. Of anyone on the roster, he seems to be the one player that he's trying to invest the most in thus far. Besides maybe Knox and to a degree Trier. And it's just silly because I don't think that I just I hope Moutier isn't on this team next year, I guess. But I just don't know. I guess anything's up in the air at this point. Well, well like if they signed, like, let's say Kemba, right? And Kemba's the point guard and they wanted to bring back Moutier on a cheap deal as a backup. Like, I, I would actually be... No, but, no, yeah, no? it's it's just. You want to be okay with that? I'm not no, saying I'd be happy, I, I but I'd be fine because with it. Just the way that he clogs up the game for everyone else, man. It's the ball just doesn't move when he's I, I out there. He, I think he could give you capable backup minutes. Yeah, but I'd it's rather... not about that. It, then he's just gonna turn it to fucking Trey Burke out there. No, Where... that, no, that that's a that's a, that's a different thing. Come on, you have to be fair. I'm trying Burke, to be. Burke, I, I, Burke, I, Burke style. Gonna Burke, pound, Burke like, style is the actual real like pounded into the ground guard on this team moody at least he'll whip it around a little bit like hey we gotta be yeah, but he's a little not, more he, fair. he passes it out of trouble like he's not really even looking for who's open he, I, I don't it, I think moody is passing as regressed this year he has looked to score a little bit more this year but i don't i, I don't know that it's his, his vision is 
gone away or anything like that. I, I, I just think he's been more aggressive trying to score. I think his optimal role in the NBA is that of a bad starter. I don't think he can play a good role as a backup point guard. His play has dropped. It's been bad and negatively impactful for a good chunk of time now. Now, I would... Would he do better getting to play with the players? Like, would Moutier do better getting to play with the bench unit? That's a fair point to make, and maybe we see that at some point. But I just don't see it with him. It's And I, I complimented him when I thought he was playing well. I did. When he had the good games, even though I didn't think he was good, I gave him the credit. He was better in the last game than I think we gave him credit for altogether on this podcast. The beginning beginning of the last game, he he played better than we initially had thought. Yes, when I the Thunder game, when I rewatched the first half, there was someone who even who called me out on Twitter, and I forget who it was, but that person was correct. I was a little bit unfair to him about the last game. This game, I don't think I'm being unfair to him. I was watching that other game on my phone, and I was while working. And when I went back and watched it, I was like, "Oh, okay, Moutier, what he wasn't dribbling as much as I thought." And the, I, it was—I have no problem admitting when I'm wrong, and I was wrong in that instance. Tonight, if I go back and watch it, I don't think I would be wrong about my initial thoughts. He—he he was. More, I mean, my big problem was the turnovers. Like the the turnovers. Were, I mean, anytime you get like seven, it's bad. But it's worse when you're a bad player because you can't mask it with things like Harden has high assists, uh, high turnovers, a lot of games, right. But he's given you a ton of assists. He's given you a ton of points. You live with the turnovers, you know, Westbrook's another guy like this. You, you of course live with that. There's other players who are a little bit lesser than that, but you get the point. Like if they're doing enough to produce, you can, you can live with a couple of turnovers, but Boudier isn't that guy. You know, I, I think I'm just going to pull up the box score again to be accurate here, but you know, he had seven turnovers tonight. He had 14 points on four of nine shooting, you know, one of three from deep, the, the four rebounds, two assists. Like, if you look at the box score, it's not abysmal, but that's not enough to, to mask seven assists. And I think the Rockets had 31 points off of turnovers. How many of those can you directly tie to Moutier? You know, it's 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 not good. It's not good. He's not good enough to, to play that poorly. That's my that that's my biggest issue. Can we talk about that uh that almost ending play that happened where the Rockets attempted to inbound it and then could not inbound it for whatever reason? I I've actually been watching it on loop here. Um sort of mesmerized. What was PJ Tucker doing? So I was he, watching he just froze and, and no, back from away. what Dan Tony said was that Tucker is supposed to be the re- the inbounder on that play every time. And then Gordon inbounded it, which threw Tucker off. And then Tucker didn't know if it was a live ball or if he was supposed to take it out, back out of bounds and inbound it. And then he didn't know what to do. So he just stood there with his hands up, which then led Noah Vonley to get in there, who also didn't know what to do for a couple of seconds there until he finally decided to, I'm just going to pick up this round ball and put it through this hoop here. <laughs> God bless you. That's a good addition to the podcast there. Let me tell you. <laughs> What's that? What's better, my sneezing or Kyle's dogs? Um, I just wish both of them were were better timed. Fair. Miss the dogs, though. Miss the dogs. Um, no one does. 
That, that's a lie. It, it's no, okay. We can I, admit yeah. it. But do we <laughs> but, um, do we have anything else to address from this game? Do we do we have any other theories on why uh, James Ennis does not know what to do with the basketball when it comes near him? I guess, I guess I'm taking that as a resounding no. Let's look at what the Knicks have coming up was, ahead of them. Good. Did you ask us about if James Ennis knew what to do with the ball when it came to him? Yes. Uh, Anthony, you uh, realize you brought up James Ennis and you would move it along very quickly. I'm proud of you. Yes. I, I, I was bewildered by James Ennis being brought up. Despite him playing in this game tonight against the team that we're discussing, I was bewildered by James Ennis coming up in conversation. Well, Out of all the people on the route that you could have brought up, you went with James Ennis. The third. James Ennis the third. The third, yes. Oh, sorry, that I need to insult uh, the first and second there. Um so James Harden though did have sixty one points. We get we uh I think we'll end on that note and look ahead to the Brooklyn Nets game, uh where the Knicks will be. Are they playing at the Barclays Center? They're going to take a little. Yeah, they're they're playing at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Uh, Sunday they're going to be playing against the Heat at home, uh, and then they go down to play Charlotte on Monday. Um, yeah, it's you know a little. It's not quite the the Thunder and the Rockets at least. I don't really. I mean, maybe Kemba will score sixty points again, but you know he's been. Uh, a little bit slower in the last couple of weeks. There's, there's definitely room for some players on the team to get into a little bit more of a groove, right? I want to see Trier go on a little run here. Uh, I mean, he's had two the, good this, games. The, this listen, the, the, the season is. Is it this, three in a row? Three, three in a row. yeah, yeah. It's been three in a row. This is the time of the year when, despite things being interesting to talk about, like the young guys developing or. You know, like Kevin Knox, your lottery pick playing well. Um, people just lose interest because losing wears on most people, and especially the casual fans. And it really leaves you with the only true diehards watching at the end of the year for the smallest, teensiest developments of anything we can get. And seeing a little run by one of these young guys to close out, you know, uh, another losing season would be nice. Like seeing Trier just kind of go on a little run to end January and bring us into February before cooling off. That would be nice. I would enjoy that. I would enjoy a, a nice little 20 point game streak. Something like that would, uh, would make me feel better and help me get through this. This is the second straight season. The Knicks have had a guard go for 31, a rookie guard go for 31 and 10. Yeah. And I believe uh, he's the first Knicks rookie with more than 30 points and 10 boards since Patrick Ewing. And you know, Dotson did it last year. Dotson went for 31 and 10 last year against the Heat. And are we sure of the intent? Yeah, I'll go look it up. I know the exact game. It was the one at the end of the season. All right, yeah, because then if not, we got to fact check old Tommy Beer. But Give me um, one second. I'm looking it up right now. Because I remember the Dotson 30 point game. I just didn't recall the uh, rebounds with it. Yeah, it was 30. Uh, I got the box score open right now. It was, oh, 30 and 11, not 31 and 10. I, I screwed that up. My apologies. Yeah, so for my, this is for my mistake. I mean, we're still talking about a glamour set here, but. I was close. So the, the two straight years, they had uh, guard go, a rookie guard go for 30 and 10. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah, I'll take it. I mean, Dotson got some uh, had some some run tonight too. He had some decent offense uh, in the third quarter. Um, but do we? Have, I mean, do we have anything that we're looking? Anything we're kind of matchups we're looking towards in the next couple of games? Uh, I don't even know who is playing on the Brooklyn Nets these days. Spencer Didwitty and Jared Allen, who might be all stars if you talk to some uh, New Yorkers. Just win a fucking game, man. <laughs> I just want the team win. Like, it was so, like, that first half when they were going through that stretch when they were playing well, I was like, oh, this is fun. And I was cheering. I was like, wow, it's enjoyable to watch the Knicks play well. It, wow, I'm surprised. We've, we've all said it on this podcast, but as far as I was concerned, I was done rooting uh, for losses and tanking last year once KP was the number one option. I thought that that was going to be the start of something. And, and it was, to be honest with you. I think that they, I don't know if they would have made the playoffs last year, but I mean, they were definitely in the contention for it. So, you know, I, now that he went down and we got another guy in, in Knox and we got KP coming back, I just, I, I can't find myself to root for losses anymore. Like look at Trier. Trier was the third rookie that we added to this roster this year. He was the, you know, the undrafted one. We didn't even pick him in the draft. And he had 31 and 10 tonight and he's had other good games and scoring outbursts. And it's like, I, I want to see more of that. I want to see Knox continue to do well. I want to see Mitch get his fouling under control, but make those blocks like he's making when he's guarding Harden at the three point line. Like I want to see all these guys doing these great things. So for me, I, I'm not really rooting for losses because if I'm rooting for losses, I feel like they got to play bad. Basically most times, like we're not going to get these nice, you know, people call them the dream scenario where they play a fun competitive game. Um, they still lose, but at least you feel good about it. You know, the kids play well, like it's the ideal scenario. But I, I want to win some of those. I'm sorry. I just do, especially with these new tank rules, the way that they are. I just, I, I want to win some. The, the The incentive is a little bit less, but I mean, they're that, 10 that's and 36. They can win a fucking game. Yeah, I, It's I, not going to hurt anybody. It's, it's really not. I, I, yeah, I'm, I, if just any game, just try, just get, let's get like, I mean, how many, how many games do you think this game, this team can actually win before the all-star break? When's the all-star break? I'm looking it up right now. You can tell in the schedule, there's usually like a little break. I believe yeah. it's like February 11th. Nope. I just typed in the all-star break into Google, expecting that to just magically give me the results without specifying what league. I was about to February fifteenth no to the seventeenth. There's no other sports that exist. <laughs> so, all right, before the All Star break, they play Brooklyn, Miami, Charlotte, Dallas, Memphis, Detroit twice, Cleveland, Atlanta, and Atlanta. Like they should be able to win some of these games. That's, that's a bunch there's of a winnable games. stretch in there for sure. And, and, and that's not all in order. I was just reading off the shitty teams that they were playing. There's also. Boston and Toronto and Philly, but they, mm-hmm. their schedule is quite easy until the all-star break. Yeah. This is finally a chance that they can kind of recoup some of this, like just where that they've encountered over the last, you know, month, pretty much. I mean, you had the whole West coast trip and then you had a pretty tough stretch even after, after that, once they got back home and then, you know, they included the London game in there too, which is going to take a little bit out of you. So, um, this is a chance for the Knicks to kind of play some talented competition, but also some lower level competition in there too. maybe rattle off 
four wins in that time, between three and four wins maybe in that time, if they're lucky. And uh, then, yeah, come out of the break a little bit more refreshed, and hopefully we have a little bit more of a direction on, you know, who's really going to be eating up the rest of these minutes over the rest of the year. Two quick things, and then we get, uh, I guess, head out. But um, the the first one is um, I wanted you guys' thoughts on the Gasol Conley situation. Just quick, that air is dead. They're gonna trade him. Yeah, I mean, I have a feeling that I have a feeling Conley might be the one who sticks around for a little bit longer. I feel like I feel like they're not going to be able to move both of them this year, just because that's a lot of money to send out. Um, maybe Connolly has moved around the uh, around the draft or something like that, and they can kind of. I don't know what they would have to move. I don't really know what their situation's looking like or who they'd be looking to take on. But Gasol has got to go. And what is his contract like for next season? Is it like, is it twenty eight million? Is or is that way too high? Well, uh, if you give me half a second to filibuster here with the wonderful It's an option I know Google. that he has to opt into. It's a, it's a player option that he has coming up. He's taking $30 million for three years because full $24 million for two. All right, so I have a question. If the Grizzlies were willing to take Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, and Frank for Conley, would you do it? Say that one more time. Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, and Frank for Mike Conley. Would you do it? How much? What? What is uh, Conley's situation looking like? Thirty million dollars. It's basically your. That's your max addition, and you wouldn't have the max. No. You'd still have cap space to spend. No, I, I still wouldn't do it. I, I, I think Conley's had trouble staying healthy, um, for just. A, a large portion of his career, he's I, he's definitely over 30 years old now. Um, he's got a lot of miles 31. on him. 11 he's got, years he's played. Yeah, I just, that's that's not something. And I really, really, really like Mike Conley. I enjoy his game. Um, in a perfect world, said so this on Twitter the other day, uh, I know in your proposed deal, Frank is out in this scenario, but in a perfect world, TB, I, I think a really good, guard for Frank uh, to play behind and play, but, with. and play with and I just you know it, it just doesn't make sense with the timeline of this team and the money he's making and the timeline that he's on I, I don't yeah. I, I don't like that at if all that, I'm, I'm if sorry. that contract was maybe a year shorter like I think about it but I mean that last year is 34 million too it's not so much giving away Frank in the scenario that I hesitate at it's just that money well, it's the money for it's it's the money for me mostly with Conley and, and the other things that I said about him. But I also think that um, and and again, just to double down on the Tim Hardaway shit from earlier, that, that people are really convinced he's just a bad player, but he's actually productive, and um, people have kind of hoodwinked themselves into thinking otherwise. He has value, like he makes a lot of money. So given the everybody knows the the Knicks situation and how they are trying to clear cap teams are going to ask for an asset in return with that kind of money coming back so but but he has at, like value on his own and i think between that and frank that's what a deal um 
take back that much money for a player that old with that much mileage. Hey, you know, you really don't know how many good years or games you're even going to get out of Conley after that. I just think that's too much. Okay. So you, oh, sorry, Brian. Go ahead. I, I agree with you guys, by the way. I was just throwing it out there to, as something to discuss. Did you guys right. see the Shams report earlier today that basically there's only five teams in the league that are looking to sell off pieces and the Knicks are one of them, and the rest of the league isn't really looking to to trade away things in an attempt to lose. That's something that could come into the Knicks' favor if they can smartly create some leverage for themselves here. Yeah, I, you know, I was I was talking about this on, on Twitter today from um, the Knicks Wall account, and I, I was basically saying, you know, the the Knicks are. From that report, the Knicks were kind of just doing their due diligence. It seemed like to me, it just looks like they're they're not looking to take anything back or acquire anybody or um, do anything of that nature. They're basically just looking like, hey man, um, we're looking to get rid of some stuff. If you guys are interested in a, you know, lightly used Courtney Lee, and a, you know, slightly older Lance Thomas, uh, we're gonna keep trying to interest anybody in an Ennis Cantor like. We're just trying to get rid of some salary. It seems like that's all that I, we can take away from it. And uh, the other point I made was even if you're in or out on um, Dennis Smith Jr. and that trade and that got brought up, um, just the fact that Perry could do a deal where he's shedding salary. Yes, it's Tim, and I think he has value, but he's shedding salary and he's bringing back a young player. Like even if you're out. On Hardaway, like, uh, um, sorry, even if you're on Dennis uh, Smith Jr., to me, that's the type of deal you'd want him to be savvy about, like getting rid of long term salary while still getting a young asset. Like, everything that they've been linked to is encouraging. Like, they're trying to get Ennis Cantor somewhere else, they're trying to get Courtney Lee moved. They've even, you know, talked about Tim Hardaway Jr. moving. You know, they're, they're trying to bring in a young asset. To me, I, I'm just seeing good signs, just basic good, smart NBA GM decision-making, it sounds like. And that's encouraging to me. It's not going to be flashy, but that's what they should be doing. And that makes me feel a little bit better. Okay. You said you had one more point to bring up. Make it quick so we can get out of here. James Harden did not break Carmelo Anthony's MSU scoring record. The 62 is still intact. The 62 is still intact. It it is at this point, uh, I'd like to request that we have Funk Flex, air horns, just the bombs and air horns go off after this. Uh, it's going to take us out down the episode. We're you gonna, shouldn't even be able to hear me anymore. This should all just be Funk Flex bombs. We're going to just keep your audio there as the uh, Funk Flex bombs. Um, I, I keep doing this thing where I forgot to do our plugs in the beginning of the show like I like to. So instead, I have to do them now and because I only remember two now because this is... Hey, this we've, been, is... we've been good about that recently. This is the first time we haven't done that in a while give, give, don't give don't be that hard on yourself so everybody please make sure that you rate review and subscribe to this podcast uh on itunes on your platform of, of your choice look i know we all don't have iphones i have an android it's fine you can listen to your podcast wherever you like to but if you're gonna be on there just do the do the thing for us thank you um Subscribe to our YouTube channel, too, while you're at it. Go follow the Knicks Wall on Twitter. Follow all of us. I dropped our plugs at the beginning of the episode. Go to thenextwall.com. We got previews. We got recaps. We got all that stuff. We got features. 
Uh, we have beautiful graphics. We have videos on our YouTube channel as well. There, I mean, I, what don't we have? I mean, for real, come on now. Um, so go check all that out. We'll be back to talk to you more next week. All right, I'm going to go so I can edit this thing. But uh, you feel better, Gaberman, Brian, or Kyle. Just whatever. Do your thing. I don't care. <laughs> it's just talk to you guys. You, you have had a tremendously low amount of energy for me, and I despise it. I have, a, I have a low amount of energy, or I have a low amount of energy for you? For me. Yeah, I'm, I, am, up. I am so sick of your shit. I haven't even done I'm anything. So, I just, in general, <laughs> it, it's, it's just a general, I'm sick of your shit. I, I know what I've been exhausting. I haven't been exhausting in at least two months. It's, <laughs> uh, again, this is just, this, this is more this a realization part. than anything. Oh, I hope I am. that doesn't get cut out. Leave it. <laughs> I, I, I am, I am hurt. Uh, I'm going to go upstairs and cry under my covers. Okay. All right. Tell Melo this doesn't change how I feel about him, though. Uh, I will. Uh, You're dead to both of us. So I I hope you're proud of what you've done here tonight. Well, have a good night, you two. Okay. Take it easy, guys. Peace.